map to get the show on the road. Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and the guy for whom it's Christmas all the time, Nick Protopapas. Actually, Joe, that is the opposite of what I believe in my everyday. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I, I'm such a strong... I sometimes yell to myself when no one else will listen that the only thing that makes Christmas time special, the only thing that makes holidays special, is that you only do them at a certain time of year. And if you did them all the time, then it wouldn't be a holiday, um, mm-hmm. right? Okay, but 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 Christmas is such a celebratory time for for people who celebrate it, um, which does not include me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, you know what I mean? Like and- sometimes people like play Christmas music, and it's not Christmas, and it's just like like I hate that. Okay, okay, but 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 Nick, yeah, some of those songs are really good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know they're good. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm, You know what else is good, Joe? Getting gifts from a magical, magical man. And it's also good to, like, not have school and work and to, like, eat lots of cookies and do other Christmas things, like kiss each other under um, plants, I guess. Um, and also put a plant in your house and also put a plant on your door. Um, yeah. And on the ceiling, I'm not actually sure how mistletoe works. Like I don't know either, Joe. I think it's a Hollywood sort of institution thing. I don't think it's real. Mm-hmm. Nick, can I can I talk to you about something that you um you sent me today? What is mistletoe? What did I send you? Sorry. Um, you so so we have a we have a group chat with uh, my brother, and you sent us um at one thirty six p.m. uh today, uh a a wiki a, a fan wiki page. <laughs> yeah. Um. From the uh. Well, I don't... <laughs> Why don't we just go over the, it? Yeah, it's it's from the 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 Peppa Pig fanon wiki. No, this this was an immediate red flag because you know we're all adults here. I personally have never really watched Peppa Pig. I'm, oh, really? I'm you know I, I I just like it wasn't my thing when I was a child. Um, for the longest time, I, I I wasn't even aware that it was like airing when I was a child. I'm actually not sure that it did. I don't um, know where it aired. I th- isn't it a British thing? I I, I, I think so. Where 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 does it air? Probably BBC. That's the only BBC, thing. BBC maybe PBS. It strikes me as a PBS program. No 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 BBC because that's the only British channel that I know. Where does prepare? No no I know. <laughs> what did you say? Anyway, oh, it was on um, it was on Nick Junior apparently. Oh, in the, in the okay. UK. But so not it's, um, here. Wait, is it know. is it not aired here? I thought that kids were familiar with it. I have no idea. I just watched it as a kid. That's all I can say. Anyway, this is um, an entry on the Peppa Pig Fanon wiki, um, which for those who don't know, Fanon is uh, not the the official source material uh, for this TV show. It is um, something that someone somewhere made up and something that they sort of <laughs> incorporate into their own headspace. Um, anyway... This uh this this wiki page is um three lines, uh it has a title, um the title is, Poopy Pig, um, 
And I think I'll just I'll, I'll just rush through what it says. Um, Poopy Pig is Peppa's twin sister from the future. One of Poopy's interests is looking in the toilets. <laughs> Unlike Peppa, <laughs> Poopy has a. <laughs> It's a picture. It's a picture of Peppa looking in the toilet. Is the picture? No, no. Hold on. Thing. Hold on. The third. The third line what? is crucial. Okay. Unlike Peppa, Poopy has a missing tooth. Yeah, which you can't tell because the um, image is. She has a closed mouth. Um, so, yeah, so Nick, I, thing I, I'd like a, to... Yeah, there's no sources. I mean, there's no citation on that, so it's a little strange for an article, but. <laughs> it, it rings true. Ultimately, it rings true. Nick, Nick, I'd like to ask you a question, which is, um, how did you find this? How did I get here? Um, well, Joe, it, it all started in my childhood. It was, it was very rough. No, I mean, I was looking up. Look, I don't know why I am the, the way I am, you know, but I was looking up. <laughs> I was on the internet, and I was like, I wonder what happens if I don't, like, search poop and go to images, because I know what happens when you do that. I was like, I wonder, I wonder if poop comes up if you search poopy into the internet and go to images. <laughs> and I'll just do it again right now, but I searched poopy and I went to images and I was like, oh, as I suspected, it's cartoon poops. And I guess I scrolled a little bit more than one because it's, it's what poopy, poopy pig is like way up there. It's like the third line. I don't know. How can this be? I think probably people who look up poopy are like vaguely interested in why Peppa Pig, an image of Peppa Pig is there. Maybe they want to see some. There's no poop in this image, of course. It's just Peppa looking in the toilet. And maybe that's part of, you know, part of why it's intriguing is the mystery. It's like, what's she looking at? Or why is Peppa here? I don't know. For me, it was like, why is Peppa here? But, you know, I, I guess that's why it became, because that's what happens on images, right? If, if people click it more, it, it rises. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's how search engines work. Uh, okay, well then, it's really high up there if you search that. Um, it's like, you know, probably the twelfth image or something. <laughs> it's very high. It's not that crazy that I found it, you know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I mean, you clicked it too, so that probably helped <laughs> it go up, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess, or at least I I clicked the 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 wiki link you sent me. I don't know what that does for Google Images, but um, well, I don't know either, but you know. I mean that was my Wait, morning. Um, actually, there there is a there is a a, a top contributor. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's more than one contributor. I guess there's only one. Funny if uh, you search "poopy pig," the don't search "poopy pig," kids. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to like not. I'm gonna not that. expose um, who uh, uh, this user is. Um, because I I don't want to violate their privacy, but I should point out that they are blocked from the Peppa Pig fan and wiki. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't delete the page. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's rough out there in the Peppa Pig fandom. Um, yeah, I, I got it. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, I don't know. Like, what'd you do today? Except for looking up funny words on the internet. Uh, I I responded to a lot of emails. That was my day. It's very adult. Um, yeah, it was very right, cool of me. Why don't you Why don't you bring something to the table that's a little more kid friendly for me? Um, and tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so my thing this week. Um, actually, I'll start with a story. Um, 
a story that will uh, quickly segue into what my thing this week is. Um, see that I'm building suspense. Um, Nick, as you know, um, last week was my, my, my first week physically back at, at college. Um, and I, I've been a bit swamped. Um, so I did what I often do when I'm, when I'm feeling a bit down. Uh, and I went to the library and I, I, I checked out a volume of The Complete Peanuts. Um, and this is volume three. Um, and it, it, it covers the strips printed uh, from 1955, 56. Cool. So sort of what's interesting about this one, um, obviously it's Peanuts. It's, it's a generally enjoyable comic strip. You're all aware of, of um, Charlie Brown and his friends. Um, but what's sort of fascinating about this one and really a lot of like the, the early uh, volumes, um, really just all of the ones that are from the 50s, the first decade of the strip, um, it's sort of still in like an adolescent phase. The characters are like drawn a bit differently from how we would uh, typically recognize them. A lot of the the core cast of kids um, still isn't filled out yet. Um, so there's like no Peppermint Patty. There's no uh, Sally. There's no Woodstock. Um, but we do have like prototype versions of, of uh, Linus and Lucy and, and, and Snoopy and, uh, you know, the, the others. Um, there's also like, you know, characters who don't show up much at all later, like, you know, generic Patty, um, and, and Violet and Shermie. Um, Nick, we've had, we've had discussions about Shermie before. What are, what are your thoughts on Shermie? I think he's an asshole. Shermie. Shermie is the guy who says good old Charlie Brown. Good old Charlie uh, Brown. Oh, how I hate him. Yeah, that's him. Yes. Um, I always thought Shermie was all right. I don't know. He seems Look, like here's... a little, tell me. Here's my case. Shermie, as far as we are aware in the Peanuts universe, instigates Charlie Brown's depression. Yeah, but you know what? Shermie's kind of just like, he's kind of like for real. Like he's like, he doesn't have like big issues psychologically like the other kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the other kids like this, you know, this Linus has attachment issues or something. You know, Charlie's depressed. Lucy's an asshole. <laughs> Shermie, Shermie's just kind of, he's just kind of for real. Like I just, he's so normal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so I kind of like that about him. Yeah, I think I think that's probably why he like ended up being phased out. Like we don't know him as like part of the regular Peanuts cast. He doesn't really have like a bit. He's just like another dude. Yeah, but that gives him the ability to like, you know, like criticize on this crazy world, and that's that's kind of I like Shermie, you know. Mm -hmm. I I sort of wonder why. I wonder why Charles Schultz made the decision to like phase out characters like. Patty and Violet and Shermie, or I guess Violet like sort of shows up as like a friend of Lucy sometimes, but um, I wonder why he chose to like background those characters instead of just like introducing new personality traits to them. Um, I mean, I think he probably had like a a vision of them in his head, you know, and like mm-hmm. he was just trying out other characters and they got to be funnier and he got more interested in them. You know, I think that, you know, Shermie's a dude, but he's not going to try to change Shermie the way Shermie is, you know, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I I think you're probably right. Um, I just found this website. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think it's casting celebrities in Peanuts roles. Huh. And it's kind of the best thing I've ever seen. It's got the guy from Prison Break. You know what I'm talking about. Iceman from The Flash. (laughs) As, As Violet. I don't know. I don't know where I am right now, but... 
It's like <laughs> live action casting. I guess this is kind of old, but it's got Louis C.K. as Charlie Brown, which is you know. Oh no. <laughs> Ryan Gosling as Linus. I don't. I don't know why I'm deciding to share this with everyone. <laughs> I guess what I like about it is that they've got all the costumes really down with like Photoshop. This is just very entertaining. Uh, I'm going to share this link with you. I don't know why I shouldn't have commented <laughs> on that, but keep going, please. No, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so the thing about, about peanuts is that even though it's sort of not like great from the start, a lot of the more philosophical elements like aren't quite there yet. A lot of the characters aren't there yet, um, but it's still like pretty good. It's like pretty funny and charming um, with a lot of good bits. Um, you know, and, and so part of that, um, something that sort of stands out, but it is also like something that is is definitely part of the strip later on, um, is is that like it has this backbone of of the other kids sort of lightly bullying Charlie Brown, um, and this is mean of me to say, but it never stops being funny to me. <laughs> um, like like he yeah. has it was the fifties, right? I think yeah. that was I think that was considered friendship. Lightly. I think I think perhaps, but it's like you know, in 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 later strips, he has Linus, who kind of never makes fun of him, is 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 like his 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 foil, his sort of partner, um, to some degree. Um, he but he has no like support friend in these. Like Linus is still a baby, um, so it's just Charlie Brown and all his friends, all and all of them are just like constantly rude to him for like no reason. Mm. Um, I don't know, man. He lets people walk all over him, you know, Charlie Brown. What are you gonna? Oh do? yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's consistent, but like they, there is, I think it's a good change they made to like have Linus sort of back him up more later, um, but also just like, you know, it's it's really funny to see like this off balance routine that they have in these early strips. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think there's like some real gems in here, um, like they, they there's. This one like really oddball strip that like sticks in my memory um, that I read the other day. It's from from I think April of nineteen fifty five, um, and Lucy and Charlie Brown are talking, and, and and Charlie Brown is is all set up to play baseball, um, and he's got like the glove, um, and and they're talking, uh, and and Lucy's asking him if there have been ever been like any any women who have been mayors in the United States, um, and he says yeah there there have been uh, women mayors. Um, and, and, uh, she says, okay, cool. Um, you know, when I grow up, I want to be the mayor of the United States. Um, and you, you might think that that's like the main joke of the strip. Um, but like what I have failed to describe when, when I was saying that is that during this whole sequence, uh, Charlie Brown catches a, a, a football in his baseball glove and in, in the, in the, in the final segment, um, he's in the final panel. He's not reacting to what Lucy's saying at all. He's he's just looking down at his glove in the football, and he's just so disappointed. Cool. That sounds <laughs> Sorry, that, that's that's funnier looking at it than me describing it, but it just no, struck it, me a lot. It sounds funny. Anyway, um, you know, beyond all that, I don't really have a lot to say about this collection. Um, you know, it's it. These are these are good peanut strips. They're all good peanut strips. <laughs> um, I, I I'm sort of slightly disappointed by like kind of the the editorial choice they made 
to not have them be in color. Um, like, you know, that's something that varies by like newspaper and time period. Um, but I also think that like the right colorist for peanuts can like really enhance the strip. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> Aren't the Sundays colored? No, eventually. no, they're all in black and white in this. Well, eventually they are. Oh, right. really? Um, I can't confirm that. Hmm. I might. Have I remember that. checking out a later volume at one point in the. But Sundays yeah, newspapers didn't have color until when did newspapers have color? I'm pretty sure Sundays had color from the beginning. All right. Well, I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's about all I got. <laughs> uh, okay. Cool. Nick, do you have a do you have a thing for me? Uh, yes, Joe. For for this week, I got you I got you a great gift because it's one of the best shows ever. And actually, you got it for me, and now I'm giving it back to you. I guess. Um, yes. You I'm were ready. like, "Hey, you should watch Freaks and Geeks because it's on Hulu." And I was like, "Yeah, right. I remember liking that." And I'm, you know, I like high school shows. Um, and I, I Freaks and Geeks was airing in in 1999, I believe. Yep. And it only got one season, so that's the only year I have to remember. And um, yeah, it was on NBC, I think. Also, also a guess. Um, yeah, it was. I think it was NBC. Was yeah, it NBC? Yeah, you know okay. that. Um, and it's. I believe you. Yeah, well, you sort of start off watching, and you're like, "Oh, this is really good. I really like this. is well made." Blah 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 blah. And it's got um, some fun characters. It's got our our basic protagonist, Lindsay. Um, and she is smart, but she's just got a new group of friends, and her parents piss her off. She's just trying to be her, but she doesn't know who that is yet. And also, it's high school. You you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and her her new friends are like a little cool, and she has to like fit in. It's not that interesting. Um, but then you got you got her little brother, who's just a nerd. And yeah, I think that one of the really cool things about this show is that you get a lot of different characters' perspectives, not just Lindsay and her family. Because I, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, before I watched this, I think. Um, and I was like, oh, all these shows, like, they sort of limit the way that, you know, because a lot of high school shows, you get to know a lot of characters, and you're like, oh, it's like a little town that I can just go to and be comfy, you know, you know what I'm saying. But, um, mm -hmm. but, but they never sort of go to different people's houses, if that makes sense. They're never like... And what is like Rochelle's mom doing today? You know, sure. But but this one sort of does a little. <laughs> That's cool. And you never know who you're going to be following. And the, the the main cast is like ten plus people. And of course, you get her parents, and they get episodes. And it's just one of those shows where every character is very thought out and nuanced. Um, and you get little snippets of 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 dialogue and and stuff that makes that evident. If I if I if I may interrupt. Um, yeah. Something I've sort of noticed on, on this watch through, I'm not very far, um, but I sort of ended up comparing it in my brain to, to My So-Called Life, which is a show that I'm also not very far in, but you guys have recommended to me, um, and I am liking it. Um, and I sort of noticed the comparison, which like I, I hadn't really thought about on my first go through Freaks and Geeks um, when I was like 14 or whatever, um, but just like they, there's this emphasis on like, you know, how much Lindsay kind of doesn't know about the world. Um, or at least, I, I guess that's like a very obvious thing about the show. It's just like for some reason that didn't like quite click with me. Like there's this line in like one of the episodes uh, where, where, where Kim Kelly, who's like a character who's kind of mean to her at first, um, is like, yeah, you're like, you know, off in your 
uh, rich girl world. Um, and that was interesting to me. Oh, no, that's her whole dimension. That's her whole thing is that okay. she, she doesn't know anything about weed or rock or, you know, being, being, a, being a bum, basically. Um, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I, I guess I just, you know, somehow totally missed that when I was Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it a long time ago, I think probably similar time to you, and, and I had forgotten a lot about it, and I definitely didn't appreciate how much was going on with how many characters. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really like, it's hard for me to be like, this is the unique thing about it that's great. It's just great in a lot of ways. Like, it's really funny. It's hilarious. The characters are great and nuanced. And I like sort of the tension of the show where they build one character up in one episode and they sort of set a plot line up, let's say. And then you have to go away from them for a while. A lot of the like needing to watch the next episode is just from like, oh, I want to get back to that character or something, something like that. You know what I mean? Where, but yeah. but it, it's, it's sort of fulfilling every character, every episode. Like something is always happening. You're just like invested in so many plot lines at once. Um, and that makes it feel sort of like, you know, like you're going around and like you're just you're just anticipating um, conflict and, and character moments, basically. So that's mm-hmm. it's pretty sick, basically. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, it is very funny. I think one of the funniest moments, I don't want to spoil it for you, Joe, but it's okay. it's a good one. And it's sort of <laughs> I, I'm just going to I'm just going to have to do it. Um, and it's in, it's in this one episode where one of Sam's friends, Sam is the little brother. Um, he finds out that his dad is cheating on his mom. All right. And now Sam's oh, at home. Oh shit! That is. I know. I'm sorry, Joe. Yeah. Not that big, because you know what? There's n- that's not how the show works, you know. Um, oh, anyways. it's just like the the. It is less about like how like what happens because they sort of telegraph to you that it's going to happen at the beginning of that episode. Um, but the the way they go about it was really impactful to me when I first saw that episode. Yeah, well, anyways, I'm not going to even talk about that. Anyways, so yeah, Sam, yeah. Sam, the little brother, he's pretty worried about all that. And there's this big emotional moment between him and his friends, and especially that friend who's worried about it. And, you know, that that goes, that goes, that's fine. And you sort of get this big drama in that episode. But Sam is at home, and he's really worried. Um, and that's another thing about the show is that the characters are, like, in high school and worried about their very little things, like, you know, dates and this and that. And it, you sort of get very invested in that, which is fun, even though you can tell it's not a big consequence thing. Anyways, sorry. Um, so Sam's at home and he's confiding in his sister, Lindsay, who's the main character. And he's like, he's like, oh, geez, like, do you think, do you think what's his name's dad could like really cheat on, on, you know, what's his name's mom? And she's like, I don't know. You know, I don't know, Sam, like, you know, I'm your sister. I'm I'm helping you out. And he's like, do you, do you think that dad could ever, ever cheat on mom? And their, their dad is this totally goofy, like, uh, character strict dad. And he, he sort of walks by the room and he said, did I hear my name? And he's in these, these boxers underwear and they just look at him and they just laugh. They just laugh for like a minute straight. And then he's like, what, what's happening? And they just laugh. And then he's like, whoa, and he gets angry and goes off. And it's just like, it's, it's a comedic moment, but it's only funny because you know the way their dad is so well that it's almost like you're with them. You know, you're like part of the siblings because you know, you know how like strict and goofy he is and like, and the moment you see him there, you're like, you're like, haha, this is ridiculous. And it's like, that that's how the show works. And I think that's a good moment to emphasize the strength of the characters, even minor characters like the dad, um, the strength of the balancing drama and comedy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. it's just, it's just a well-crafted show. I, you know, I think it's one of the, 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 the best shows ever, for sure. Definitely. Um, and yeah. I mean, it it goes. Every episode is pretty engaging. I really couldn't think of a bad one. Um, 
it's it's consistent that way, even though it's sort of you know goes off in directions that maybe you're not as invested in as first. You know, it, it focuses on side characters, things like that. Silly things happen that would never really happen. Like, you know, it's a little over the top in that way, but you you're sort of grounded the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a killer soundtrack. Uh, it totally think, does, and I'm I'm so glad that they kept it um, when they brought it back to streaming. Yeah, I think that it also does a really good job of showing like it's sort of like a period piece almost like not like a period but you know what i mean like it's i think it's about that you're there they're in um 1980 to like 81 or something you know that school mm-hmm. year and like you really feel that like you really do like they, they take effort to like um you know mention cultural movements even from the 60s or in the older characters stuff like that and, and and the music they're listening to is very apparent stuff like that is 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 really great um and i i think is sort of interesting to watch as well. I'm not sure, you know, how accurate that is, but it, it feels, you know, it couldn't be that inaccurate, basically. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I know that you recommended it to me, but you should keep watching because it's it's fantastic. Oh, one one more thing I'll say about Freaks and Geeks. I almost forgot, but now I remembered. Um, is that I think you'll like this, and I think that you'll find it to be very apparent, is that the show is um, has a point, and I, I always like it when shows do that. Um, it's not just about its characters and sort of what they're going through, but it's also a lot about identity and that's very apparent in the, in it's sort of breaking down the idea of high school cliques, uh, which I think is super fun. And I, I definitely noticed more this time around. Um, yeah. cause it's like, I mean, it's called freaks and geeks. It's about like how Lindsay sees herself, how other people see her. Uh, and, and something interesting in the first season is that, I mean, you know, all these characters are pretty well-rounded, so they sort of belong to cliques, but you see when they break from that, you know, there's a phase where, uh, Nick, one of the characters in the freaks group, you know, does disco for a while is another one where, um, you know, what's his name? James, James Franco. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he, he goes into a punk scene for a while, stuff like that. I mean, there's all these things where, uh, characters sort of break away a little from what you might expect, that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's real. I think that's the best part because it's all about sort of Lindsay finding herself, but it's, it's so much more powerful and, um, you know, interesting when, it, when it's sort of, you're sort of inspecting the whole society, the whole high school society like that. And like how people view other people is just so such a central part of the show. Everyone is labeled everyone like constantly. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's really good that you mentioned that because like, I was just thinking about uh, the finale of the show, which I actually remember pretty clearly. Um, And I think that one has like some really great thematic statements in it, even though like freaks and geeks, you know, it's not the most serialized show. Like most of you could just watch any episode in any order. Um, but like, you know, that that finale does have like some really good sort of final statements on its characters, um, which I, I've yeah. sort of always gone back to in sort of thinking about the show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Lindsay has a you know genuine, uh, you know, like well, like really well thought out character arc um, that she's she's balancing her old mathy scholarly self with her new self and. I don't know. It's, it's, you know, you're genuinely a little, at least a little, you know, invested in, Hey, is she like her parents are always saying things like you're throwing your life away. Like don't hang out with those freaks. And at first you're like rolling your eyes, but then they get her in some genuine trouble. And she seems to be sort of, you know, maybe not making the right choices for her, her best academic future. And then you sort of have to accept that later on in the show. It, it's, it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. But there's, there's a couple moments in the show where there's genuine consequences to her hanging out with these people. Um, and you know, I was at least a little like, geez, like, I don't know, is this right for Lindsay? 
Um, maybe that's not the impression you're supposed to get, but there was, you know, there's a little danger to it, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Freaks and Geeks is, you know, I, uh, I haven't like finished rewatching it, like we said, uh, but I, I, I still feel like pretty safe in saying that it's like, you know, it's a classic. And I think people who are interested in this type of show um, really ought to check it out. For sure. Oh, yeah. I think another thing we should mention, I guess more as a pitch thing, should have started with this, but it's got an all-star cast. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess these are breakout roles, but James Franco's in this, Seth Rogen's in this, Jason Siegel's in this. What's going on? It's like really weird yeah. to see them. Like it's it, it's weird to like go back because, you know, movie stars aren't often in, in TV shows really, uh, or they mm-hmm. sort of are, but it's because their career is not going as well. You, you know, this sort of deal. Um, but in this case, it's sort of their breakout and then they become movie stars. So that's just like a super cool, almost time capsule. And it's like, this is fun. It is genuinely fun. They're all talented. Yeah. And, and like Linda Cardellini is like in the, in the main role as Lindsay. Um, and like, you know, it's, it still stuns me to this day that like the, the, the Marvel movies got her to like be in those movies and she's just like Hawkeye's wife. Yeah, that sucks. I've seen her in some other stuff, but nothing big. Uh, I think she was in that McDonald's movie with uh, Michael Keaton. You know what I'm talking about? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) The McDonald's movie with Michael Keaton? What are you talking about? (laughs) She co-stars with the animated box, Joe? And he advertises apples and toys in the kids' meal? You You don't know? The clown makes a cameo appearance? I'm joking, Joe. The movie's called The Founder. It's uh, about the founding of McDonald's. And it stars Michael Keaton. Ah. And your friend is in it. The one that we were talking about that I forgot her name. Okay, I found it. Yeah, the animated box doesn't make an appearance in that movie. Nor does the clown. <laughs> so, sorry folks. That box scares the crap Wait, out of me. That's a scary Happy box. Meal box? Is that what you're talking about? The animated Happy Meal box. Okay. The, the, the Happy Meal box with a face. <laughs> Nick, you want to move on? Oh my god, they print the face on the box? <laughs> oh, that's that's no good. Oh my god. He's like the annoying orange of, of McDonald's. Um, <laughs> I would so badly like to move on from, from this scary image. Okay, Nick. Um, so like, when we when we planned this episode like a month ago, um, it sort of got away from us. Um, but originally, we were going to talk about Jimmy Corrigan, um, and I had I had this um, great joke prepared um, where I was going to pretend we were talking about the Jimmy Neutron movie, um, and it was hilarious, and everybody would have laughed, um, and you would have laughed. Um, but we decided not to do that, and we're we're talking about um, uh, uh, Klaus. Uh, volume one uh, by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora, um, which is sort of a, a superhero-ish origin story for Santa Claus. Uh, what are what are your sort of first impressions of this book, Nick? Yeah, I mean, you you sort of just told me to read it, and I did. And um, I guess my question is, you know, for a little context for me, but also you know anyone mm-hmm. listening is like, what the hell is this? Like, what is it? Like, is this something that like some corporate man wanted to make and then he got some guys to do it. Is this like a creative, like someone like really wanted to make this? 
What okay. what is this? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, so this is sort of the product of. Um, so Grant Morrison is someone who has worked in in like mainstream superhero comics for a very long time, um, sort of like since like the early nineties, um, and had been doing that, um, and really like is is kind of still doing that, although to like a lesser extent. Um, and they've sort of had an impact on like, you know, all these different characters. Graham Morrison's had like, you know, really big impactful runs on like X-Men or Superman or Batman. Um, and so that's something that has influenced them a lot. Um, and so what I think is sort of interesting about Klaus, at least for like that career, um, and some of this is like, I just read like Graham Morrison's autobiography. Um, so I like know more about this than like the average person would. Um, but it's kind of like Graham Morrison, like moving away from kind of corporate superhero comics. Um, and so in that way, it like, it is a really sort of creative driven, uh, project. Um, it, it, like, it's not, it's not corporate at all. Um, like boom is, I don't think they own the rights to this. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, that's interesting that you said that, moving away from superhero comics, because, um, to me, I was going to say my first impression is that this is a superhero comic. Um, oh, yeah, it is. Sorry. I, I mean, of... um, I mean, like, ones that are owned by corporations, I should clarify. I guess that makes sense. All right. Well, th- yeah, in that case, fine, sure. Um, what it is is an origin story for Santa Claus, which is also what the movie on Netflix was called, like, last year. I guess this is an older so they kind of ripped that off. I mean, the story's not the same, but, you know, <laughs> I guess. You know, they called it Klaus to be like, you know, he's like a regular guy. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. It, anyways, it, you know, it kind of starts off and it's like, there's this guy and he's like, looks super cool. And he's like in the snow. And, and then, you know, like the words in the comic are like, this is, this is a story of Santa Claus and how he became Santa Claus. And it's the, and it says it says it's the greatest untold story of all time. And I was like, this is weird. I don't know where I am right now. I'm scared and confused. Why is this so epic? Oh, um, and I was just like really deeply uncomfortable with that. So yeah, what do you think about this comic? Uh, I I really like this comic um, for basically the reason you just listed. <laughs> um, I, I, I really enjoy that it's sort of like this, this epic take on that character. Um, like I... I Sort of to to rephrase like what I what I said earlier, um, like I I am really into the idea of Klaus being like you know what it is it, it's a Superman comic it's a Superman comic with all of like the aesthetics and continuity of Superman stripped away, and like what you have left is like the 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 very you know what I think is a pretty important kind of like fundamental idea of like the the good guy who does good for others. And, like, some of this is, like, I'm a person who's, like, very invested in that genre, and I think a lot about that genre. Um, And I think what is interesting to me about Klaus is, like, how it sort of interacts with the superhero genre and, like, the the commentary that it sort of makes. Yeah. I mean, I'll just go over it briefly, if that makes sense. Um, So there's this guy, and he lives in 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 a shack, and he's got a cool wolf, and his name is Klaus, and... So he goes back to this town that I guess he's from, and yeah, people are 
people are mean. And the guy in charge, I'm just going to call him the king, is like really mean too. And like he won't let kids have toys and he won't let people have beer that's not watered down. And yeah, he just like tries to beat class up. Like he's just like not a nice guy. You know, he's like a hoarder. He's evil. He's basically just a Dracula. He's got a big cape. He looks gray. He's evil to the core. He's just an evil man. And uh, yeah. And so Klaus is like trying to save this town from his oppression. And, you know, it's like Christmas. Well, it's not Christmas time. It's um, it's Yule time. It's Yule time, uh, which is when kids are supposed to, you know, have toys. So, um, so yeah, he tries to like deliver toys and like basically be like, you know, a resistance force. He starts a revolution, one man revolution to take down this evil guy. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what happens. Like he might win at the end, but if he did win, that's, that is how Christmas would have started. Um, there's, um, there's an important line in here. Um, which is that, which is that Klaus, the name means victory of the people, uh, uh, which I think sort of gives it away. But yeah, is that, is that true, Joe? Uh, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I didn't look I it up either. I just kind of took his word for it. I, I think um, it's, I think it's a good thematic statement in this comic. Yeah, that's what I believe. Lot, yeah. I yeah, man, it's just like weird, like. I don't know. Like, I, I guess I kind of like it. It's very action-y. You know, it's like a good, like the, the art's good for action. Like, it's doing all yeah. it's got to do. Like, it's very, it feels kind of like a movie. Like, that's about how, I mean, that's not really how time works, but it works out like a movie in, in, in how the plot moves out. You know, he, he goes, he does a little good. Oh, no, it's going to be worse. Oh, he has a low moment, and then he wins, you know. um, So, yeah, it's, you know, it's got it's got like a pretty, like, you know, it's it's a pretty normal like you know, cinematic three act structure. Yeah, I that think you're right. exactly. So yeah, it was kind of easy to read in that way, and uh, it's very the, the art is very um, you know, a- actiony. Not only in that it's showing action, but it it, it feels very like um, it's moving around. So it's it's it, you know, it flies right off the page. It's really really fun and easy to read, and um, I think there's a lot of cool. Uh, uh, you know, design things, a lot of cool action sequences, and also some funny moments, some funny moments, um, and and some visual stuff as well. Some visual, I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And so it kind of just makes it fun just to like, you know, I'd call this sort of a lazy afternoon book. You know, I feel bad that it's not Christmas time because I sort of instated <laughs> very adamantly at the beginning of this episode that that I care about that sort of thing, but I wish it was Christmas time, like a lazy Christmas afternoon this would be a good read yeah i think i think that sort of it works on two levels for me because like when i think i i I first read this um a few months ago and that was um kind of before i knew as much about the background of it like i hadn't read that autobiography yet and i sort of came at it the same way you did where i was like this is um a little weird in parts um but it's like you know sort of a fun story um so I can, I definitely get like sort of engaging it on that level. Um, you're going back to like what you were saying. Um, I think that like Dan Mora, who's the artist and I think does like everything, like the, the lines and the colors. Um, you know, I, I think that he has a very like iconic and dynamic, but like still kind of warm style. Um, 
and he he's like i think he's doing batman soon um which makes sense because i think he he is really a great fit for kind of a a a superhero comic which again this essentially is um gotta be honest i thought he was mm -hmm. the guy who did new 52 batman and it looked the same to me so oh really that was um greg greg capullo i guess they sort of draw like i thought it was the same they draw like chins the same way i'll give you that (laughs) their line work is similar don't mess with me i don't think it is yeah it is it's like it's like what are you gonna do about it i think they They draw people the same (laughs) they draw actiony superhero muscly people with big friggin' chins and yeah i mean i could see the differences now that you mention it for sure that's the the big oversimplification but um (laughs) come on joe if i showed you if i kept showing you one from the other you would always know which which one drew it no you wouldn't you're a liar <laughs> totally would you're no i mean you would because one of those is a friggin' batman comic but you <laughs> yeah, wouldn't yeah, otherwise guy, Dan Moore has also drawn batman comics i read a oh, batman really? comic by Dan Moore today <laughs> maybe that's what i'm thinking of like no no he just started <laughs> no it's not the one i'm thinking of well i got it confused i have no defense I would know the <laughs> they're the same it's it's they're totally not all right, they're similar. All right, G- give me similar. I got them confused, Joe. Similar. What am I stupid? I-, I got them confused, so they must be similar. I think you haven't looked at like um. At, um... They're not distinctive enough to be distinctified by me, distinguished by me. Okay, man. I don't think you've looked at Greg Capullo's work in a long time. I think there's a lot of, like, yeah, it's it's a similar like sort of style uh-huh. to like, you know how they draw muscled men, but like, yeah, <laughs> I-, I don't think that. I think there are a lot of things about Dan Moore's work that distinguishes him from Greg Capullo. Now I'm looking too. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. You're very right. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. I can, uh, I can see how like they would kind of blend together and like, your no, mind. I think, I think I'm thinking of something else to be honest. Okay. But yeah. All right, go ahead. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know, to go back to 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 praising him, um, I think he pays like a lot of great attention to like the world and its details. Like I I feel like the town of Grimsvig is very well defined. Um a lot of his characters. I, just, I are, disagree are, with that. I disagree with that oh, yeah? so much. Well defined. What are you talking about? I don't think okay, so this is something I'll get into later. I don't think the loca- the individual locations are as well defined, but I think like the vibe of the place totally is. I mean, that's because he's dealing with two vibes. He's dealing with Mufasa's reign and Scar's reign. Like <laughs> like it's not it's not a big deal. Like All right, I, I, I wouldn't give him that. Like I, I I don't know. Go ahead. Okay. Um you know, I like how his characters are rendered. I think he's got like, you know, enough realism to convey a lot of detail. But I think they're often pretty expressive. Um, like they never feel static. Um, I think his coloring here is really pretty. Are you going to challenge me on that? Yeah, I am. Fuck. I think it's sort of like, <laughs> kind of reminds me of like you ever like pass those guys on the street who are like spray painting stuff and like really like shiny, glittery like colors. I, I guess it was kind of like it was kind of like that at points not not in like the dark stuff that was fine like when it's like ah oh, the bricks like that that was fine but like when it's like 
the blue of the ass and the red of the fire. And it's like just like very intense blue and like very intense orangey red. And it's like, ugh. And it's like, it's like too like, I don't know how to describe it, like poppy. Like it's like too much. I would not go that far. I think what you're sort of. Not like in skill, but like in. Oh, I can put this like shiny effect. Like, and then like put a shine effect on the bubble words. It's like that. Like, it's not bad. I, I mean, if you like it, that makes sense to me. It's not like I think it's, like, bad. It's just not my thing, I guess. Like, I thought a lot of time they would, like, distract me. I'd be like, this is too much almost. Like, I think I think that, that more subtlety would have been cool. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that. You, asked, just, like, you asked if I was going to challenge you. I, otherwise, I wouldn't have oh, said no, anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take it. I just... <laughs> I think there's a lot of this comic where I'm just like, yeah, it's not, it's not a subtle book. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think like, you know, sort of my main complaints is that I think there are a few spots where he's kind of pretty clearly cutting corners here. Um, like you can spot the occasional panel that he's like co- copied and paste, pasted, um, or like he'll like fudge the inking a bit. Um, there are even there are a couple scenes where it's kind of like just hard to place where we are like location wise um but i think i i think mostly personally um i think the rest of the art is is and the rest of this comic is really lush and vibrant um that i can i can forgive that yeah i was confused about a location it's not really confused just like not as um placed i guess mm-hmm. oh i guess there was one time i was confused on the roof scene um and someone goes downstairs and i was like what where are we um but for the most part like you can figure, you know, it's not like overly confusing or anything. Yeah. I mean, there's also just like only a few locations that we really like hop between. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. It's like the um, town, the town, uh, and the forest outside. What did you think of, um, you know, story elements, I guess, you know, like, you know, like the magic, uh, that sort of comes up with the toys. That was interesting. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like, you know, there's, there's the forest spirits, um, which is sort of the the element here, aside from like the the you know huge creepy demon that shows up at the end, um, which isn't really explained and sort of just part of the world. Um, and I thought that was like you know the right amount of trippy um, to kind of give this book like sort of its own edge. Um, it's not like quite to to my taste that that stuff isn't like you know really explained at all. But like also I'm I'm. You know, I'm pretty okay with it for like what the book's doing. Yeah, like uh, sort of the magic is sort of like the hero's about to die a lot, and it's like, oh, the magic, the magic saved him. Don't you worry. Um, and then there's some like, well, actually, basically just that. I, I mean, I thought they were cool visually and established early enough for me that like, eh, whatever. Like, I don't really care. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think there are any like story problems with it. Um, I think it's interesting that like. You know, sometimes the the there are this this is a world that like kind of exists on the precipice of like another world that we don't know a lot about and isn't explained, but is 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 present. Um, and some of that is like in Grant Morrison, the writer's like other work. Like there's sort of influences from like drug culture. Like they took a lot of drugs <laughs> in the '90s, um, <laughs> which uh, sort of seeps in now and then. So there's like that very trippy vibe. Yeah, especially the spirits, which are in, like, super cool colors, like, rainbow colors, where the rest of the book is, like, you know, kind of, like, 
one color at a time almost in a scene. Mm. That one's very like it's it's very wintry. Like you're supposed to feel the cold, you know, and the isolation of the the walled city. And I think those colors um, are something that I will remember the most about this book. Is those those sort of pages when the rainbow colors come out. It's really incredible to look at. Yeah, they really contrast. I think really well against the rest of the book. Um, yeah, actually, I so like the monster at the end. I have to say. Because it was sort of like, a, you know, Lord of the Locust vibe, like the bad, the bad guy I was talking about, he's really bad, the bad king. Um, he's kind of mm-hmm. got like this dark force over him that he serves and he kind of goes to this cave and he's like, like, I-, I serve you, master. And you're like, ah, oh no. Um, but what I did actually like about it is it sort of surprised me is, you know, he's talking to this voice and I was like, yeah, all right. But maybe this is kind of obvious. I just didn't think of it. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but like, um, there's actually just like a physical thing behind that wall in the cave. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I thought it was like a force, you know, more than anything. So like when it was just there, I was like that, that's cool. Like I didn't like, I guess that's kind of obvious now that I say it out loud, but um, I was sort of expecting more I, of like I, I a, think, I think there is some ambiguity. I don't know. I just like, I think from other things I've seen that are similar, it was kind of like, ah, it's just like an evil force. You know what I mean? But in mm-hmm. this case, it was like a physical being. And I thought that, like, they, like... You know what I really like about that? It's cool. Like, the, the whole book, uh, Lord Magnus, who's, like, the villain, uh, he keeps talking about, like... He's real oh, bad. Yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> he's real he's, bad. He's a bad um, guy, man. He's I don't like, even know oh, how yeah. the hot lady fell for him. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Except for maybe his high, high cheekbones and intellect. Maybe if he wasn't so evil, she'd still be in love with him. But he also <laughs> confesses for no reason to using a love potion on her. I was like, why mm-hmm. did you, why would you say that? <laughs> doesn't make sense. And then she was like, no, it wasn't the love potion. It was your strong personality, except for you're so evil. Thought I would throw mm-hmm. that in there. Go ahead, Joe. Um, yeah, so the, the the whole book, he's like, the king is coming. We have to prepare for the king. Uh, the king never shows up. <laughs> the king is the demon. <laughs> is the king the demon? That's Honestly, how I take it. Honestly, I just forgot. I was like, I, I forgot about that. There's a lot going on in this book, I guess. I thought it was yeah, cool. Sure. Well, actually, I didn't think it was cool. I just, <laughs> I just want to mention <laughs> that the the bad guy's wife is like secretly in love with, or like has been in love with Klaus. I was like, <laughs> that just like when I saw that established and then also play out, I was like, why is this so dumb? <laughs> I thought that was the dumbest part of the book. I was like, this is, I don't <laughs> even remotely believe this, huh? Yeah, I thought I it was really dumb. Like, sort of, I think that's part of like sort of the 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 fable like quality to it. Like, you know, this is this is myth. Like, this is what would happen in a myth <laughs> or a fairy tale. I just, I mean, I just thought it was dumb, man. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> like, like I rolled my eyes every time anything happened with those two. It was like, oh, like it's been so long. She'd be like, I thought you were dead. I married the evil guy, and he was like, oh no, don't do evil. I can see you're still good. And she was like, she was like, I don't know. I'm really attracted to you. And he was like, yeah, I'm attracted to you. And that's kind of how this book goes in that regard. I, one fairness, thing, a lot of muscles. I've, yeah, man. Yeah. He's the wolf, man. Um, I was wondering, Joe, why, why is he immortal? <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, uh, the forest spirits do that to him. Is that like a side effect of saving his life is that he's immortal? Yeah, that's what they do. I okay. You know, I thought that was kind of dumb, but sure. Okay, makes I sense. think that's pretty clearly established. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes. I mean, it's established, but I just think it's dumb. 
Okay. But um, I guess it makes like I guess like I guess what's happening there and in some elements of the book is that it's like oh this this has got to happen cuz that's how Santa works, you know what I mean? I don't think so. I think Yeah. Um, yeah, Joe, like I, like how about when he comes to fight the bad guy in a in a friggin' armored sleigh? How does that make sense? Explain that. Okay, yeah. Like that there, there's there's elements there that like lean into the Santa Claus imagery. But yeah. like I don't think like Dude, where did he get know. a sleigh? Why would he have a sleigh? That doesn't make any sense. A war sleigh? Okay, so like, I think part of the core concept of the book is that, you know, superheroes, what they mean at their core, like their ideas, like they they, they represent things to us. Um, and I think sort of part of, of uh, Graham Morrison's idea about the superhero um, is that in some way it is it is eternal. It is like something that like, you know, is more than one person or like what one to some extent, like even one creator, which is like, you know, there's a weird thing happening with this book and like how it interacts with that. Um, but like, you know, the reason Santa Claus is immortal and the reason that like he lives forever is because like he's more an idea than a person. I don't know. Does it does that does that track in the, you? In the real world, that is how, that is why Santa Claus lives forever. It's because it wouldn't make sense otherwise to, to children that we lie to. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you about this. I've said what I said. You know, okay. I think it's silly. Sometimes. I, think, I, think sometimes I think that is an element it, that, like, I guess, I just like it's a weird. It's like it's just. I mean, I I know that that's what this book is. So I guess my complaint doesn't really make sense, but it's like, why? Like, why Why are you a Santa prequel and, like, doing Santa prequel things, you know? But that's that's just what it is. So, you know, I guess I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I also think you're wrong. You know, but like, you know what I mean? Like, prequel syndrome, you know, when you have to, like, explain other things, you know, it's like, I don't have a name. Oh, maybe you're Han Solo, maybe. Passport stamps. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't think this falls into that at all. At all, I don't think like you know all of the all of the elements that are like explaining. Joe, Joe, of course it does. Them. At least a little because it's a it's a prequel to Santa. What are you talking about? At least a little. This whole book yeah, is based around things that already exist. Like, how can you say it doesn't play into that at all? It's. I. I mean. I. I guess what I mean is that I think this sort like the way that this book sort of plays with like the the classic Santa Claus myth mythology is like sort of in a way of like, you know, you read this book and then you could say, okay, if this were a real thing that ha could happen, uh, which, you know, obviously the, the book is, is not realistic at all. Um, but putting that aside, um, <laughs> like if this were a real thing that happened and the story got like passed down from generation to generation, like yeah. maybe it would turn out something like the story we have today. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm tired of this. Yeah, you're right. Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't know. This is a weird book, man. <laughs> Does it keep going after what I read? Um, there's a volume two, but it's just a collection of anthology stories. Ah, that sucks. What would happen next? That would be exciting. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't read that yet. <laughs> hey guys, this is uh, Joe from the future, um, and I just sort of wanted to uh, to come in and do some editing wizardry um and say that uh clouds is a book that i uh i really like and i don't think i effectively communicated that here um and uh also nick is wrong um and i wanted to sort of say something about the book which is that um 
at the beginning of the story, uh, one of the guardsmen at Grimsvig uh, says, uh, you know, come on, there's no such thing as an innocent man. Um, and that's something that carries through throughout the story. Um, I, I think the book is wrestling uh, with the conceit of the superhero genre. I sort of talked about that here. Um, and, and it's sort of asking the question, like, what is the point of telling stories about people who are fundamentally good if those people don't actually exist? Um, and, and I'd just like to say that I, I love the, the answer that the story comes up with, um, which is that children need to believe that people who are fundamentally good can exist. Um, like, you know, uh, there's a character we didn't really touch on, Finn, um, who's a little boy who goes along with Klaus. Um, and he keeps calling Klaus a wizard after he said that he isn't one. Um, and of course, the big climactic line in the book is that there are no bad children. Um, and I, I think that's a really powerful thing, the idea that, that everybody needs stories, um, but, but most especially children. Um, in conclusion, um, Klaus is a book that rules. Also, Dan Mora is totally gearing up to be one of the best superhero comic artists of our generation. Um, and once again, Nick is wrong. Uh, now, back to the show. Uh, Nick, uh, today we are talking about Funko Pops. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about Funko Pops before the show, and we're like, wow, we might have more to say about Funko Pops than any other topic of conversation. Why don't we share this with the world? Um, yeah. Um, so we were looking at Funko Pops. Earlier. Joe has Funko Pops. He has them in his room. I feel the need to defend myself. I only have Funko Pops because when I was 14, year old, 14 years old, um, my brother owed me some money um yeah how did you have money when you're when you're 14 doesn't add up 14 year olds don't don't have money i bought something for him and i was like hey you owe me money (laughs) that's probably what happened so i have some i have some x-men funko pops um which is what led into this conversation (laughs) that's not true what led into the conversation is that i was thinking about getting funko pops for avatar and then okay, yeah. I asked you if you had any Funko Pops and then you were ashamed. Um, and then we was, like looked up Funko Pops for like 10 or 15 minutes and we realized that the office is like a big entity on the Funko website, which is weird to me because yeah. everyone in the office is just like a guy in like a, like a, a polo shirt or whatever. I don't know what they wear in the office or like a suit. So it'd be like really hard mm-hmm. to distinguish them with the Funko design. Um, but I guess that's really popular. And yeah, and then, I mean, we were kind of looking, and I was like, which one should I get? And then we both realized that Funkos are ugly and, and bad, and um, why are there so many? And, yeah, we, we both got kind of scared, you know, because I don't know if you got scared. I got a little scared. I got a little scared, Joe. I'm I'm a little scared of, like, the corporation that, like, Funko Pop, or I guess, like, you know, the, the corporation that runs Funko Pops. Um, just, like, they have this massive reach, and they're omnipresent, and they just keep going. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they show keep... no sign of stopping. Exactly. And it's like, what are they going to Funko next? You know, they'll Funkify anything. Like, like you know, sooner or later, like, they're going to do, like, minor celebrities. And then you. And then everyone will be Funko. And they'll be sort Dude, of this they little... they already have minor celebrities. Well, yeah. But then, you know what I mean? Like, more, they're just, I mean, they're going to run out eventually. You know, they're making, they're making Funkos faster than we're making new people. So... Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, they're going to have to make a Funko of everyday guys, for, you know, custom Funkos. 
and and, yeah. and by that point, it's going to coincide with with the moment when when Funkos take up the entire store, not just the shelf or whatever the five million shelves. And mm-hmm. so there are totally like Funko outlets and malls. I mm-hmm. I would and then, bet. When that happens, like those two, those two points are going to reach a maximum, and everything is just going to be Funkos. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm looking at their website right now, and I I found out I somehow didn't know this. Countdown to to everything being Funkos. No, no, no. Um, although that would be horrifying. Um, you know, I I somehow didn't know this, even though I am who I am. They have like Pokemon Funkos, and they're what? not good. Oh. oh, they just like. What should I look up for that? Pokemon? Pokemon Funkos? Sure. Um, but wait, but Pokemon are animals. Yeah. I mean, like, the thing about Pokemon is, like, so these are all from, like, the original designs, mostly. And the thing about those is, like, a lot of the expressiveness and a lot of, like, the charm is, like, in the eyes. Because obviously, like, they're anime characters. Um, and just, like, taking that away is, like, horrifying. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. The Funkos, if you look at them in the eyes, you realize how scary they are. I feel like some people might be listening and like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but just look at them real hard. You know, just look at them. Their eyes are like dead. I think if you're listening to this, you you know about like the the bleak black eyes of of, of a Funko Pop. Yeah, but you know, Joe, like earlier today, I was convinced that Funkos were cool. Remember? That wasn't so long ago. (laughs) That was something you said. (laughs) And now I'm like, looking into their cold dead eyes and it just you just gotta look closely it's like a spell that they cast on you you know Mm -hmm. i guess they got a lot of harry potter ones i just i just found my way to that page um this is like even weirder when they're like just people there's like so many ones for like the nba or the nfl or like the the um nhl (laughs) I, I guess I just like, you know, even more yeah. so than I don't. Joe, I'm becoming scared. Yeah, I just don't like what Funko Pops represent. <laughs> yeah, me neither, man. Um, and I think that's like the, the cold, sober note that we need to end this show on. <laughs> is that the wisdom that we're ending on? Or should I? Do, do you have anything? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. It's actually about wisdom. Maybe it's about okay. the wisdom of Funkos. I don't know if this applies to Funkos. I'll, I'll say it and then we'll see. Alas, how terrible is wisdom when it brings no profit to the man that's wise? This I knew well, but had forgotten it, else I would not have come here. All right, okay, well, that one, that one was by um, Sophocles. Mm-hmm. And it's about Oedipus. Uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, I just did not see that part of that sentence coming. <laughs> Is maybe maybe Ed, they should make an Oedipus Funko. I think that would be the scariest of all the Funkos. Just like gouged out oh, eyes. I I think I might buy that Funko. Ed, look, I'm trying to buy them again. What's going on? I don't want to buy Funkos. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Pritipapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com where you can send us letters or tell us about books you want to cover on the show. Uh, my handle online is at Joby underscore draws, and you can buy our comic, uh, Jake uh, Escape from Wizard Island, um, which is linked in the description. Uh, it's, right now, it's just like pay anything you want. Um, <laughs> uh, 
we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, it would help us out. Uh, stay safe and see you next time. Also, Dan Mora is totally gearing up to be one of the best superhero comic artists of our generation. Also, Dan Mora is totally gearing up to be one of the best superhero comic artists of our generation.